Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. No woo tonight. Uh, it was fun while it lasted. The five-game winning streak has come to an end. We're rebuilding and, again. Uh, yeah, now the, it's start the, the tank. The tank is back on <laughs> uh, because Ilya Sorokin really showed up tonight, and the Flyers didn't in the first 10 minutes. And that's basically what was the difference between the game. I am joined tonight live in studio. That's right. We have him. We're not letting him leave. <laughs> Philadelphia's number one beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, we'll not- oh, wow, you talked, and I heard you right away the, the first time. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, there isn't nice. that delay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, we'll be back. Uh, I'll be back in the uh, the arena for Friday's game, and then Saturday's game is obviously our watch party. Figure out exactly what we're going to do. But it's good to be here with you, good to break down this game. Unfortunately, we're not breaking down the sixth straight win by the Flyers or breaking down their first loss in quite a while. But honestly, you know, it's it's a game where there's a lot to talk about because I didn't think they played terribly the entire game. They weren't bad. They weren't bad. It was honestly, and I go back to the games when, when they were losing all the games in October uh, into early November. And I talked about how some of those games were like the ideal tank losses where they played pretty well outshot out chance. The other team still lost the, I was like, these are perfect. These like good process, bad result type games. I don't know if this one quite qualifies as that though, because well, if you look at the numbers, like they, they dominate it. If you look at the advanced metrics, like go going through here, 81 shot attempts, all situations. That's a full season high. If you're looking at five on five, you know, 59% Corsi, 58% expected goal percentage per per natural stat trick. So by the numbers, you would say Flyers should have won this game. If you're watching it, though, I don't think that was quite the way it, it played out just because when the Flyers were bad, they were real bad. That's the end when... I don't want to dive in. Okay, let's discuss score effects for 18 yeah. minutes. But when you are trailing from the minute 50 mark on, you're probably going to turn it up at different points. And the Islanders are the team. Like, they're the team that gets beat on the analytics. And when they win games, it's like, how the hell did they win? <laughs> they had 22 shots. Or, like, you know? Yeah. They, and, and then you're like, oh, they have Ily Sorokin. Yeah. And there's that. <laughs> and that's basically what happened. And we're going to get into Sorokin in a minute. But one thing I will say about, like, my first reaction to this game, and maybe it's a little self-serving, is uh, it was a grind. There's some big hits, a little bit of bad blood. A little bit. I think this bodes well. While it is an Islanders game on Saturday for our watch party, this bodes well for what could be an entertaining game. Only a few days in between games. True. Uh, everyone's going to be mad that they have to work on a holiday. I think we might see a little bit of fireworks on Saturday. So if you haven't registered to come out to the watch party at New Wave Cafe, do it. It's going to be a great time. And you see how I worked in analysis and a plug. I love that. That's, You're yeah. a pro, Brill. You uh, are an absolute pro. My, like, my actual reaction to the game is... I won't say they got goalied. Like, that's not all that happened. They, like you said, when they were bad, like there were just way too many shifts where it was, what are they doing in their own? Exactly. They can't, they can't make a breakout pass, just a single one. No. Yeah. They, they got stuck in their own end too much. They could have gone to the net and created, made, uh, made life tougher for Sorokin earlier in the game. There's a lot they could have done. But this was kind of your prototypical, and the Islanders stink. 
they have at least to this point so far this they've year only they've only won bad. they've only won two of their last 10 coming into tonight they're two rough. four and four yeah. they play nothing but one goal games not shocking to me the final score tonight yeah. and, and also that's them yeah they don't score is, a lot of goals like, they don't give up a lot this of goals. is who the islanders are when they win this is what it looks like you yeah. go how didn't we really we just couldn't yeah. eh, yep. and that, that's takes, islanders hockey and that's Islanders. it takes me yeah. back to that playoff series like yeah. I, the Flyers are better tonight than I think they were on the whole in that playoff Agreed. series. <laughs> but just like when you do break through, because they had a lot of shots on goal, it's like, and Sorokin's there. Yeah. And they plenty of times where they just got denied in the slot. There were things that they could have made a little more out of. But this is what the Islanders do. And I guess if we're going to, because we start, okay, it's the rebuild's back on, the playoffs <laughs> are dead. My first question is, how are we evaluating and assessing this team right now? Because part of me is like, yo, they're rebuilding. This is, we've said from the very beginning when they started out winning a few games. Yeah, when they bring their A game, they have a chance to win. When they don't, they are going to lose. I think tonight was a little bit of a mixed bag. It wasn't that perfect loss like you you laid out. But also... I'm starting to judge them as a team that seriously has a chance to make the playoffs. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving Eve to all of you out there. Thank you for joining us. If you're not at a bar tonight, uh, joining us live, very much appreciated. And if you are at a bar tonight, maybe you could be watching yeah. us hours later. Hours you know, later. You're, you're in bed. It's 1 a.m. You're, you're a little drunk. You want to watch the postgame of the Flyers. Man, and- I just imagine being... Like 24, you go out the night before Thanksgiving and then you come home and you're in bed with me and you. (laughs) That's a, that's a, oh my God. I'm sorry. There's a lot of directions we can take. I'm sorry. Tonight didn't work out for you if you're listening to this at 1 a.m. Godspeed. Uh, But anyway, uh, like, I, I kind of am assessing them as if they are a team with a chance to make the playoffs. And tonight, maybe it's unfair because we know what this is. I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed. Like, I looked at, and listen, Farabee scores the goal late and everything, but they show us that statistic uh, at one point in the game, and it's like, well, this is pretty good. You know, guys 24, 25 and under, they lead the league in goals yes. by players of that yes, age. they showed on the broadcast. You're right. Through 50 minutes of this game, Farabee, Tippett, Forster, Cates, and Brink combined for two shots on goal. I know it's not fair to ask everything of those guys, but... If this is going to be a team that makes the playoffs, they have to do more than nothing. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I think kind of where I'm at is that, look, as long as they are in the playoff mix, as long as their underlying numbers look like show me that they could be a playoff team, and as long as they are standings wise, they're right there. I'm (sighs) going to treat them as if I need to take their playoff hope seriously. And what comes with that is being hard on them when they struggle. I have some bad news. Uh, Maybe some people uh, have already seen it, but I just refreshed the standings. A bunch of Metro games started at seven tonight. So we had results before the end of the Flyers game. The Flyers are percentage points out of the second wildcard spot with tomorrow being Thanksgiving. There are no games. The in a playoff spot on Thanksgiving no longer applies to this team. That's a little bit of a bummer. Like it it was a fun little narrative. And I thought, I really thought there was like, 
Ah, well, even if they, they lose tonight, the Islanders, like, half their games go to overtime. They'll get, like, a, a yeah, loser get a point, point out of it, yeah. Yeah, they'll get a loser point, and we'll at least have that to go with. But no, the Flyers and Detroit Red Wings both have 21 points. The uh, Detroit has a game in hand, so they are, they are technically ahead of the Flyers. They have a 583 points percentage. Flyers are 553. But, but, but no, you know what where I'm at? But is they're that there. Where I'm at is that... The Flyers over this first month and change, they have earned the right. I'm not saying this is going to last forever, but so far they've earned the right for me to treat these playoff hopes seriously. Now, maybe they've earned the right for me to criticize. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) They've earned the right for me to be like, no, losses aren't necessarily great. If and and that's that's honestly a credit to them because I came into the season not expecting to be holding them to that standard. I'm going to hold them to that standard as long as they appear to resemble a playoff caliber team. Now, again, if four weeks down the road they are in the basement of the Metro, then I will stop doing that. And I will revert back to the way I treated them in October, but they've played well enough both in the standings and both in terms of their underlying play and passing the eye test that I'm going to start holding them to a higher standard. And that means in a game like this, I have to say, where were you guys in the first period? Most of the first period. And that's really what it comes down to. We all know how good the Flyers have been in the first period. They score, uh, they lead the league in first period goals. At least they did coming into tonight. Uh, when they score first, what, what are they, 9 What What's yeah, their record when they I, score? I, I they br- don't lose yes. when they score so, first. So, so now it is, when they score first, they are 10-1-0. When they don't, they are 0-7-1. Now, I am generally not a fan of those kinds of stats. There's a reason why I don't cite them often in my stories. That is a pretty dramatic discrepancy, and it does... It, look, the Islanders are a special case, and especially. And it speaks to what yeah. kind of, like... I think it's a lot like our face-off conversation where it's like overall face-off percentage probably doesn't matter that much. It's just the same as any puck battle. It's probably going to end up being around 50-50. But in special situations, like say special teams, it matters more. Against the Islanders, the Islanders don't score. They don't score yeah. when like their whole strategy is let us please just get up one nothing yeah. and then Sorokin closes the door. Yeah, then, then we're going to tighten it up even more than we yeah. do normally and we're going to trust that our all-world goalie makes enough stops to get us a win. And that's what happened. The Flyers could not do what they did tonight, which was the first 10 minutes. They just were kind of there. They were, they were playing, but not really. And honestly, it's funny because they have gotten so many first period goals. But I don't know if I would call them a great first period team. A lot of those games, a lot of those goals are then what sparks them to like. Yeah, they're lo- They're not playing great. They score and then suddenly they take over the rest of the first period. And you go, oh, nice yeah. first period. Or, or they come later in the period. Yeah. In all honesty, if there's somebody, if there's one thing I could point to as to why they've been a good first period team so far, honestly, more than anything, I think it's been Carter Hart. Because Carter Hart in a lot of first periods has kept them in games. Even Erickson did it a couple of times. They've kept them in games, the goalies have, and given them a chance to get going. And what happened in this game was, and we'll get into this a little bit later, Mark Stoll and Igor Zamola had a terrible shift. And Carter Hart gives up a goal that, like, I don't think it's a bad goal because the guy's uncontested next to him, you know, along the post. Maybe you hope Hart can hold that post. But it's not a terrible goal. It's just like and look like, who scored it. You'd like a little bit of help from your defense, and they got zero help from Stalin's. That's ball. I want. I want Hart to make that save. I want him to shut that down. 
Um, but that goal is scored on the lost puck battle. Exactly. Like that's where, yeah. that's what yeah, made it, it happen. It's it scored because Stahl turns the puck over. Zamula's late getting to the post and not only like, like fine. Stahl turns the puck over. Lee's going to get one crack at the post. That's fair. Zamula just kind of s- skates in. Like Zamula should be put, it should be at least physically engaging Anders Lee on the second attempt, not just letting him do whatever the hell he wants. I, I, it's a goal scored in the crease. Dude should not, even if he scores it, dude shouldn't be on his feet after it The goes only reason in. why I'll say maybe that would be a little much is because uh, it is Anders Lee. No, Zamula like, is not huge in Anders But like, at the very least, you want to make him like a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Listen, at that point, cross-check him. Yeah. Like, yeah. take the penalty, do whatever. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I don't, like, engage him in some way. There has yeah. to be something. But but I, I do think, though, that this Flyers team, and this speaks to what you were saying about how do we assess this team. They lost a game a month a month ago. We would have been like, whatever, they lost. They outshot them, outchanced them. No big deal. It's a rebuild. Now they lose a the game. We're frustrated. It does speak to, I think, that for this Flyers team, given everything we've talked about about them in terms of their talent limitations, they don't have the super high-end players, they get by on outworking other teams, they, more than most teams, I think, need to get that first goal. They need to get a lead because they need to get the other team to play the Flyers way rather than the Flyers. Like the Flyers aren't talented enough to regularly win playing the other team's preferred style. It has to be their kind of game. Yeah. And tonight was very clearly an Islanders type oh, 100% of game. Percent an Islanders I mean, game. when I start seeing the, um, Let's just kind of flip the puck into the neutral zone. <laughs> I have the flashbacks of the bubble playoff series where yeah. that was the breakout strategy. Yeah. It was like the only way we really have is to create, let's create a puck battle in the open ice and see if we can get behind them yeah. from there because there was no yeah. two crisp passes break out through the neutral yeah. zone. And they couldn't. And that's it. <laughs> I started seeing that a little tonight and it's just like, man, it's that's the Islanders. Like the, Part of me is disappointed in what we saw tonight, mostly because of the effort in the first 10 minutes, and then Sorokin just closes the door. Sorokin off to a slow start statistically, especially for him. Especially like, for him, but really just a slow really, start in general. Yeah, if you look at it, last year I think he should have won the Vezina. You're like, yeah, Olmark's numbers were awesome. So too were his backups. Yeah, and, and he played Boston half was, the games. Boston was an incredible yeah, team. He played half the games. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, Sorokin's great. Uh, not off to a great start this year. His career numbers against the Flyers are fucking ridiculous. Yeah, he kills the Flyers. He and, is and, and this insane. Is, this is another stat where, like, I don't usually get behind the, like, like goalie against team. But I do think there might be something when, to be said about it. a goalie just feeling like, man, I got this team's freaking number. And when it's a, a dude has 10 years in the league and he's been through three different iterations <laughs> of a team, it's like, well, who cares? Yeah. But it's not like Sorokin's been around forever. Yeah, true, These true. are the Flyers he's been playing. Yeah. And he dominates them. He's yeah. like 9 2 and 1 now. His goals against coming in was 160, 950. Like, he just kills them. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's what it came down to tonight. But if you have a just not even better offensive performance, just a little bit more of that structure, a little bit of that more, we're yeah. going to impose our will in the first 10 minutes. Agreed. It's a different game, and they just weren't able they just weren't able to do it. I'm talking about the Flyers structure. This was a, this was a game of structure. I mean, it's the Islanders. It's structure versus structure yeah. here. I need a little bit of structure in my life. Do you, Ben? And that's where AG1 comes in. Our new partner is AG1, and they're the – 
daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because, as I've told you plenty of times before, my life pre-PHLY was routineless. My schedule was different every day. Uh, but now that I've got some normalcy back, I want to try to be just a tad healthier, and AG1 is a tremendous way to kick off my morning routine. I drink AG1 every morning to start my day, and it makes me feel like I'm doing something good for my body because I'm big, giving my body the nutrition it craves and just starting off on the right foot. One scoop of AG1 for me and a little bit of water, maybe even coffee, while I'm getting my dog's breakfast and medicine together, before I've even taken a shower or anything, I think I've already accomplished something, and that sets me up to accomplish something for the rest of my day. I have a bunch of notes and statistics in the outline today, because I actually worked before before <laughs> work today. Like, I, I got everything together, had my AG1, and then sat down and, like, did some prep work for the show, and it all starts with accomplishing one thing, and then you go from there, and that's what I'm using AG1 for. Uh, if a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to AG, go to drinkag1.com slash flyers. That's drinkag1.com slash flyers to check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And it is Kelly Hinkle approved. You're like, oh, sure I'm going to take health advice from Bill. He doesn't look like he's going to make it through this show. <laughs> I understand. But I am not the only one, Kelly Hinkle, who doesn't even get paid to support this stuff. Uh, she is the, she is an actual yeah. consumer of it. And, and she, she and gives she, it the thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, she's somebody who's running across the bridge every she, day. She runs like 5Ks yeah. and yeah. all sorts of stuff that I don't even know what it is, but I hear about on Twitter. If you she's don't trust, a healthy person. If you don't trust Bill, <laughs> trust Kelly. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where we are with that. But uh, we're talking about the uh, like how do we assess this team. I get the feeling now... Like they lose to the Islanders who have been kind of hapless lately. They've taken like, they, yes, they've only lost or they've only won two of their last 10, but they're two, four and four. Like, yeah, they, they lose a lot of close they, games. They lose in overtime a lot, a lot yeah. of close games, but they're not good. And I look at what happened with San Jose. Just, this could just be another little way. Like the Flyers have also earned a tiny bit of the benefit of the doubt for me. I would agree with that. Where, yeah. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility they beat the Rangers on Friday, who are legitimately good, maybe yeah. the best team in the East. Yeah, and then they have the Islanders again on Saturday. Come to our watch party. Hey, uh, like, I don't want to overstate the importance of this one because I kind of expect them to pick it back up. Yeah, well, you know what? When a team wins five straight games, they do deserve a little bit of slack. Like, just <laughs> a little. That's the, they weren't going to win 10 and like, I exactly. know they weren't going to win 10 in a row and the Islanders weren't going to never win again. Yeah. They're a little desperate. They're at home. I guess I can kind of wave this one off and go, okay, well, let's see how it plays out. But also show up in the first. Yeah. Yeah. Bit. But give them credit. They, they pushed back in the second half of the oh, first. Yeah. I thought the second period was eh. And then the third period, I mean, started out like shit. And I was like, oh, they're putting the yeah, clamps they get, down. They gave up that goal. And then suddenly they took over. They took again. over. They made it close. You know, you have the, we'll get into this a little bit later. You have the Joel Farabee, Bobby Brink connection pop up. Great goal by Joel Farabee. And they kept pushing. I mean, there was, they almost scored the shift after that goal. Sorokin gave up like his one bad rebound of the game and they just couldn't put I, it in. I actually thought there were some rebounds tonight, mm. but that one was the one time they actually had someone driving the net yeah. there to do it. Like yeah. I thought he, he made the saves. You can't say he wasn't good. Like he was awesome, but I, 
I thought he was there to be had, but it was a lot of, yeah, the Islanders just clear the porch so well. They do. They're, they're very good at that. I actually, I want to want to transition real quick because we had a, a comment here from Scott Taylor, which is a very good segue into our next topic. Actually, like Scott Taylor, he's, he's reading our minds here. Says, I think That's, we could see a surprise scratch for next game. Lawton has not been very good lately. Not bad, not. but no impact. Forcer on the clock as well. I want to highlight that because Scott Lawton was benched for the final 17 minutes of the third period. One shift in the third. They give up the goal. No more Scott Doesn't Lawton. see the ice the rest of the game. Now, Scott Lawton, obviously a Tortorella favorite. He plays that, that Tortorella physical, high-effort style. I thought I've thought Scott Lawton's had a fine start to the year, hasn't scored a ton of goals, but I think he's been fine. However, it was pretty clear that tonight John Tortorella was not happy with him. I thought that on on the deflection goal, the the first Brock Nelson goal, there were a lot of players on the ice that didn't shower themselves in glory. I thought Lawton was one of them. He was just kind of hovering around in front of Nelson, didn't really engage him. There were a couple guys who could have, but Lawton was certainly one of them. Then to start the third period, they shake up the lines. They drop Lawton down to 4C with Delorier and with Hathaway. Very first shift, they give up a goal. Now, granted, my first instinct watching that goal was that it was more on Delorier than anyone else. I thought Delorier needs to, to be not puck watching, needs to deflect that pass. However, re-watching it, Lawton was a little late coming back into the zone. So maybe when you go over the X's and O's of that play, Tortorella looked at it and said, that's on Lawton. He needs to be better. He needs to have a higher effort level on that play. Or maybe it was more of a, like, you screwed up on the first one, on the last one. You better be busting your ass at every moment. And the fact that he didn't, it's like that was the last straw. And that's, I, as much as I am a fan of Scott Lawton, if he's not busting his ass, yeah. he's just a guy yeah, out there. Agreed. And I will like I hate to ma- even make this comparison because it's two different worlds of players. Uh, but like what we're seeing in Columbus, where it's yeah, Johnny Goudreau is going to get benched for a third, and uh, Patrick Line, you're going to be a healthy scratch. Obviously, we're talking about star level players right. or at least star potential players versus Scott Lawton, who in the best of times is a third line player. Um, but he's the coach's boy. He's yeah. the only one wearing a letter. Right. If you're going to send a message, we've joked a lot how, oh, yeah, well, guess who's coming out? Morgan Frost. Morgan Frost. <laughs> you know, well, he's not in the lineup tonight, yeah. so you can't bench him. Yeah. If you're going to send a message, though, it's who is the least likely person to get benched? Oh, Scott Lawton. Well, yeah, he was. We'll bench him, This too. could be a little bit of message sending to everyone through one guy. Yeah, it does definitely. Because, look, I've been critical at times this season about the inconsistent accountability, specifically in relation to Morgan Frost, whereas, you know, he doesn't score a point in one game and immediately gets scratched. Some guys don't score a goal for 16 and stay in the lineup. (laughs) Like, I do think there is an element of favoritism there with Tortorella, even as I, in general terms, think he's done a good job coaching this team. That said, with Lawton, if you bench Lawton for a third period, it does show that the accountability extends to everyone. And I think that, like, I'm a I'm a Scott Lawton fan. I think he's a good player. I think he, I, I had no problem with them keeping him for this year, even though I thought the Flyers should have, you know, maybe made a couple more trades in the offseason. But I thought, you know what? He's a culture guy. I get it. You want the kids to develop in a positive environment. He will do that. That said... If Scott Lawton isn't pulling his weight, I don't think it's a bad thing that John Tortorella says, you know what, Scott? You're having a shit game. The effort level doesn't seem to be fully there. You're stable to the bench. That works for me. 
And I'm very much looking forward to the... It's a shame we don't have another live show. It's going to be all post-games for here for the rest of the week. Right. Because um, the narrative of, ah, oh, see what happens when you don't trade these guys? Like, if Scott Lawton's here. That's like, teams are off on a first-round pick. What the hell's the matter with you? And then... All of a sudden, maybe his value decreases a little bit. People are going to start losing their minds and then looking ahead to applying it to Sean Walker. I'm already seeing... You're you're going like three-dimensional chess. Oh, I'm already seeing how this is going to play out. Uh, but, but, but I guess to my... To Scott Taylor's point, yes. he's benched in the third. Scott Lawton is. What are the chances you think he don't play Friday? I would think they're pretty slim. Right. But by the same token... They lost and Morgan they, Frost is on the bench. Yeah, you lose a game, you know, if they're going to bring Frost in, and I'm not saying they're going to, because, look, <laughs> this is John Terrell and Morgan Frost. Morgan Frost it's might get waived. far from a guarantee <laughs> that Morgan Frost comes back in. <laughs> but if you want to bring Morgan Frost back in, they've been very happy with Ryan Paling. I believe he picked up another secondary assist tonight on the on the York goal, I think. Um, I, I think believe he did. that I, is I believe the case. he did. Um, he's been fine. If they want to from Tippett and Palin, if they yep. want to keep him in, you know, Kate's got bumped up more into a, a scoring role in that third period with Lawton getting bumped down and then Lawton getting benched entirely. You know what? Like, I don't think it's likely, but it's at least possible. If you just want to get Morgan Frost back in a game, maybe we'll see. It is a guy who can play center. It's a forward who plays in your top nine a lot. That. Fits the description of a dude who could come out for Frost to get back in. I want to talk about Frost in a little bit because actually I actually have a mailbag question, a post-game mailbag question that pertains to Frost that I actually just found very entertaining. Uh, but I want to get to the line juggling in the third. Okay. Because like the Lawton benching puts it in perspective. Like, well, I'm, if a dude doesn't play, okay, we things have to get moved around. Sure. So that's obvious, but I found it interesting because at the end of the second, we saw a shift with Noah Cates maybe on the wing. I thought maybe that would stick, uh, but they... Uh, I, they were juggling everything because you, you had the one shift, the shift where Farabee and Brink scored, and this guy did a really good job on that shift. It was Garnet Hathaway. It was the centerless line. Garnet Hathaway yeah, makes a big three hit. three guys who don't play center. Yeah, I, I guess Farabee played center like for a little bit a couple years they ago. They tried that, They yeah. tried it. It didn't work. So I guess if you needed to, he could have taken a face off. But like, that's only happening if they get called for an icing and he's got to stay yeah. out there. They just were trying out new combos. And like Hathaway made a really good, really good hit on that play, kept the puck alive. And then obviously Brinkin and Farabee connect for a good goal. But it's clear that in the third period, Tortorella was just like throwing shit at the wall and hoping it stuck. Well, they just were having so much trouble breaking through, even when they were getting shots on. Like you mentioned what they have 81 shot attempts like so many blocks a bunch of misses and i said this to you during the game while i have been critical of how much the flyers have missed the net when it's sorokin yeah you should be picking corners what what are you trying like (laughs) i guess maybe the idea if it's the goalie's that good like fuck it just get it on who cares let's see if we can make something happen but if you're trying to beat him with a shot it's got to be a special shot yeah so I, i guess i can excuse it a little but the coach has to be like, what can I do? I got to come up with something. Yeah. It's, there's only so many ways for a coach to affect the game once the game starts. Line juggling is their option. Exactly. It's the only thing they can do. Exactly. So I get what they did. And it's not as if, I, I guess, I guess, elev- I guess elevating paling to the level that they have. He's now like, <laughs> he's now being counted on as part of this offense. Yeah, he was, it's he was centering Tippett and Atkinson in the yeah, third that's, period. I mean, that's like, those your second and third leading goal scorers yeah right <laughs> like, so uh, 
what do you make of the regular elevation of Ryan Paling? Like we've gotten to this a little bit in contrast with Frost and with the Kate's demotion at some points. What do you make of Ryan Paling as a dude here? I think what I'll say is that in the short term, I think it's counterproductive and dumb because I just don't personally see that much offensive upside there. Like we talked about it, me and Bill talked about this before the game about they were pumping up on the pregame and on the broadcast about how Ryan Paling had a three point night. And I was like, that's got to be the cheapest three point night I've ever seen. He has a deflected pass to Joel Farabee. He has a pass on the Cam York goal that was shot from the other side of the ice, the empty netter. And he's not even just shot from the other side of the behind ice. the net from behind the net off the glass. Like this, this was not even like a full length shot. It was a clear attempt yes. that ended up in the net. Yes, and then his goal is on a two on zero. And like, look, you still have to make the play, you but made, it, yeah. but if you don't score on a two on zero, it's like, what the hell, guys? But I, like, so and, like, it was a three point night, but like, it wasn't like an impressive three point night. And it is, it was his first career, his first three point night since. His opening night hat trick. Uh, but but going back to my original <laughs> yes, point, yeah. like in the short term, I don't think it's that smart. In the long, like for as a long-term fact-finding mission, I don't hate it because you want to find out what you have in these guys. I've been saying it all year. You want to find out what you have in Igor Zamora. You want to find out what you have in Bobby Brink. You want to find out what you have, hell, in Morgan Frost, which is why I'm frustrated that he's not playing. But Ryan Paling is only 24 years old, and I am fine if you ultimately are going to have to make a decision. He's on a one-year contract. Like, yeah, they have RFA control, so they're not going to lose him for nothing necessarily unless they want to. But you need to figure out what you have in these guys before you make a decision on whether they could maybe be part of the future or not. So from a long-term planning standpoint, I don't have a problem with them giving Paling an extended opportunity in a scoring role to see if he can show if there's a little more there yeah, if there's a little more there if if instead of just being a fourth line guy if like hey if we trade scott lawton this offseason could he be that guy i don't personally see it but like i don't have a problem with them finding out and and this is a year where i've said from the start it's about finding things out so short term i disagree with it long term i don't have a problem and let us not forget while morgan frost i guess while he hasn't really established himself, uh, he did have one big scoring season last year. Yeah. Ryan Paling was taken two picks ahead of Morgan Frost. Like, they have the same pedigree, at least in terms of pre-NHL career, and they're the same age. Yeah. They're both 24. I know we have talked so much about, well, let's just find out about Morgan Frost. I think they've found out all they want to. I think you're probably right. And now they, they want to find out about Paling. Will he be a part of it? I don't know, but neither does the coach. Right, exactly. The coach already, like, yeah, I don't know. The coach know. seems to know I, what he's I don't know about Frost. Morgan Frost, but the coach does. Yeah, Torres seems And so. Ryan Paling is just another guy. Okay, let's find out about him. And so if he's going to get elevated sometimes, that's just going to be what it is. Calling all card collectors. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as T-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 Brand, Junk Food, Starter, and Shibe Vintage Sports. And if you're uh, maybe looking to get your own sports card collection graded, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. 
you know, Friday, Black Friday coming up. You want to hit a brick and mortar store, small business Saturday, whatever it might be. I know we all love shopping online. It's a ton of fun. But if you hit either of their locations in Wayne or Westchester, which are open seven days a week at 11 a.m., and use code PHLY in the store, you can get $10 off any purchase of 25 or more. And be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. I, d- I do like... I don't always love going in a store, but there's something about, like, especially Team Apparel. Like, you want to see it. Oh, yeah. You, you want to make sure, like, it's the right quality. Uh, we'll have a read later about a uh, apparel provider who supports us. They do. I, I got I, this shirt from a different apparel provider who you all know, and uh, it is so off-center. It looks like <laughs> I bought it. looks like I bought it in the parking lot outside of a WWE event. No, it came straight from... The one you're all thinking of. Yeah, that one. So shop at the other place we're going to advertise yeah, exactly. later. No, but I remember when I was a kid, I would I would always, like, one of my favorite things <laughs> to do when I was, like, between the ages of, like, 8 and 10 was when my mom would take me to the sports card store. And I, what I really loved, I don't know if you had them. I love the uh, the headliners, the hockey players with the big oh, heads. Oh, I had the, I, I had, had a bunch so of, many of those. Oh yeah, and it would be like you go to the, the sports card store. They weren't bobbleheads, but they were like sim- like the same. Well, so what I would do, and this is like, I don't know if I'm the only one who did this. I basically like made a rink out of a piece of like <laughs> board and then had like the little players playing hockey with a little puck oh that's outstanding i had so much fun that it was like all-star games at like gretzky and forsberg <laughs> and then like burger king had a promotion one time where they did all the burger flyers king had all the flyers so i had all the flyers they, players too they had like all the stars of the team and a chris gratton and a chris a- gratton. And I, re- I requested the chris gratton when i was like in the drive through at burger king my mom's like what He's like, got to finish out the group. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I guess we should get to the uh, the newsiest thing that happened in the game was, uh, I almost called him Morgan Stahl. The, re- just, so the return yeah, of Mark. Not Morgan Stahl. <laughs> Mark Stahl. <laughs> I'm just, when we talk about guys who are in and out of the lineup, I just automatically go Morgan. But yes, Mark Stahl comes back and he is paired with Igor Zamula and... Man, if Igor Zamula wasn't a candidate to come out of the lineup before tonight, he sure is now. Uh, they, yeah. it's, they're keeping Belpedio up, and he is right-handed. Both of these guys who started tonight are left, and it sounds like they're pretty impressed. Like it, You get to do all the pregame stuff. Was there a concerted effort to make sure it was like, Belpedio's not being benched. It's just like we have seven. Well, I said, I think I said on our show yesterday or either that or I thought about it. Like it very much did look like at the end of practice that Torts had a long conversation with Belpedio, more or less. Like obviously we can't hear what they're saying, but it very much looked like the convo of, hey kid, you played really well. We're real happy with you, but we're taking you out for this game because I got to get Mark Stahl back in. But like, this doesn't reflect poorly on like the way we view you and your play. You've done a great job. Don't take this. Like, what did I fuck up? Exactly. Like it looked like one of those conversations that said, look, whenever Mark Stahl got back in the lineup, it was going to (laughs) be ugly. Now I was expecting Mark Stahl in his first game back in the lineup to play like crap. I was because he started out the season after a summer of not playing in games, playing like crap too. Then in around like game three or four, he started to settle in and started to look a little bit better. Then he got hurt. Now he's been out for five weeks. I was expecting him to struggle. I was not expecting Igor Zamola to struggle this much. And I'm not saying he was helped by Mark Stahl because he wasn't. 
but he looked real freaking bad. <laughs> That's there were just a few shifts where he had the puck on his stick in the defensive zone, and he looked like a dude in his first game. Yeah, like he looked rock. um w- basement Andre esque, where it was like you. Do you know what you're looking for? Yeah. Like, that's what he just, he's feeling it a little right now. I, I don't even know if a benching would be the worst thing in the world for him. Like, maybe he's, I, I don't know, but maybe his confidence is just dipping because he's been up and down play lately. If it's stall Belpedio on Friday, I don't hate it. Yeah, and I know Risto line is getting close. So it's possible, maybe, that they bring Risto back in. The last practice, he wasn't wearing a, a non-contact he's jersey. The, yeah, he's he's wearing contact. the normal jersey, yep. so it's possible that, that Rissalainen could be on the verge of a return. Maybe Zamula sits for him. Zamula, interestingly enough, and I, I kind of expected it to be the reverse, they actually had Stahl, who is a lefty, on the right side. Zamula has significant experience on the right. He's actually played the right with the Flyers. He played the right a lot with the Phantoms last year because they were trying to kind of get him Had to find acclimated. someone. They have no righties. Exactly. <laughs> And instead, they used Stahl on the right. Stahl did not look good on the right. But Zamola, presumably they did it because they wanted Zamola to be as comfortable as possible. So let's play him on a strong side. And he looked the opposite of comfortable. He looked like the worst he's been in weeks. And he's had some real bad games over those weeks. Uh, it's an interesting decision. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, well, yeah, Igor Zamola, Kale McCarr, what's the difference? <laughs> but like... If I'm going to put one of those two, Stahl or Zamula, on the right, I'm going to do it with the one who's better with the puck. And to me, that's Zamula. Like, just a little younger, a little more athletic. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It, it was an odd choice to me. No? It, it surprised me. I I was expecting it to be Stahl, Zamula. We, they did run the pairings in practice yesterday, but it was kind of hard to tell with the, uh, with the way that they ran the pairings because it was like an in- they basically launched them within like within the middle of the ship. So it was tough to tell who was on the left, who was on the right. It was abundantly clear during the game that Stahl was on the right. Look, if they flip-flop them, I don't think it matters. No, I think they, they struggle anyway. They weren't... Like, the mistakes they made... Like, yeah, I did see one fumble at the blue line by Stahl, and it's like, yeah, he's on his backhand. He's right. trying to turn his body. It's odd. Uh, but those weren't the plays that resulted in the most disastrous stuff. It was just their lack of ability to execute in the defensive end. Yeah, and I think, as I said, I came into this game assuming that Mark Stahl was was going to be rough. I thought he was going to be rough. He's been out for a while. I was expecting him to struggle. And Igor Zamola is still a young player without a lot of experience. And now you are, in essence, asking him kind of to carry the pair. It was a recipe for disaster, and it was a disaster. Like, I I tweeted this out in the second period, and I still kind of hold to it. Like, I'm not saying that the entire reason the Flyers are losing this game is because of the Stahl-Zamula pair, or the Zamula-Stahl pair, I guess is the better way to put it. But it was kind of most of the reason, because both the goals at that point, the the, the, the third goal, I believe, was Sanheim and York, but that was more, I think, on the forwards than it was on the defenseman, that particular play. The first two goals the Islanders score are both with Stahl-Zamula on the ice, and both with Stahl-Zamula not showering themselves in glory. It was it was I rough. Just, I love, like, I put together a Google Doc, uh, put notes in it, and then Charlie adds his notes throughout the game, and then we build our outline. Charlie just writes, Zamula-Stahl pairing. 
Fucking yikes. <laughs> it's the it's the first note. It's just, that's it. Like, it's just like fucking I, tell yikes. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> it was it was not good. And <laughs> you can survive stuff like and this is where I guess we have to do that. How are we assessing them thing again? Like yeah. okay, let's see, let's keep giving Zamula a chance because he's a guy who might be part of this. We'll see. He's been struggling. Yeah. He's been up and down. He started to raise his level a little bit, but this is that roller coaster he's been on since the first four or five games, maybe. I would say, uh, yeah. This is, he's, I will just not be, that's all I'm saying. I'm not going to be shocked when he ain't in the lineup on Friday. No, I, I, and I, we would be justified if he yeah. gets sad. He, no, this he didn't is not play a, well. This is not a, well, Morgan Frost had three points in three games and then didn't have one, so now he's out again. Okay, it's, it's torts. Yeah. This will be a, justified listen man other guys are playing better than you yeah like this is just how it goes and it's funny because the argument of should stall have been brought back in like to me i think he's gonna play eventually you gotta bring him back in at some point i think i do think that there's value you might be able to get from him at the deadline at some point you got to play these guys they healthy scratched him the first two games he was cleared this past weekend so really this is the third opportunity they've had to bring him in to me the question was more and again, this kind of goes back to the idea of short-term versus long-term. The short-term best move, if you're going to bring Stahl back in, honestly, would have been scratch Zamula, keep Belpedio in, and let Belpedio, who has been playing pretty solid, like let him be the guy who kind of carries Stahl around a little bit. Not that Belpedio is any amazing player, but he's not a young guy. Like, I would have trusted him more in that role, making up for some some rust on the part of Stahl. By the same token, Belpedio isn't part of the future. So I don't really have a problem with them saying like, you know what? Let's see how Zamula does with the responsibility of having to carry a pair against a heavy four-checking team like the Islanders. Let's see what he does. Well, we saw what he did, and it wasn't good. But it's more information but they at found least. Out. They found yeah, out. It's, it's a, yeah. just another data point, and I, it's going to... I see this being a theme now. Like, what are we actually evaluating? Are we evaluating what makes the most sense for them to get in the goddamn playoffs in 2024? Or, listen, nothing really matters till Mishkov gets here. Right. Like, it's going to be that back and forth now, which is, it's more interesting than just, all right, let's try to project guys three years from now. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's more interesting than that. They've given us that, at yeah, least. It seems like they're closer than we thought they were That's, two months ago. The fact that a loss annoys me is nice. Yeah, I, like, I, it's progress. I, I watched a game tonight, and I was hoping for a better game, and I'm kind of annoyed by what I saw, especially early, and feels good for it to, like matter a little yeah that it eats at you a little bit it's not like you were angry after the sharks lost well, but that was on principle I, that had nothing to do with the flyers if the phantoms had <laughs> lost to the sharks i would be just as upset yeah exactly like the oilers two days later lost to the sharks and then fired the head coach that has the best winning percentage in oilers history <laughs> that is point. a team that really once had point. gretzky and messier together in their prime <laughs> They won five cups in seven years. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway, um, I do want to talk about something now that's a little bit more fun. Okay. Farabee and Brink, bro. They, they're they fucking great They've together. got it going, man. I And you pointed it out. Tonight was the uh, Far or Brink makes that nice play to get the puck down low to Farabee, who does what he's supposed to do, goes to the net, puts it in. 
Five goals in 10 games against Sorokin for Farabee. He's he needs, the only guy who knows to, how to beat him. Yeah, he needs to pass some of that special sauce around to everyone else. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I, I looked some of this up. Um, thank you, hockey reference stat head. Good shit. It's the ninth time they've recorded a point on the same goal this season. Ninth. Of Farabee's eight goals, Brink has an assist on four of them. They're all primary assists. That's half. Yeah. That's four, eight, yeah, half. Yeah. Look uh, at you doing math. Farabee, everything's 50-50, man. Um, Farabee has three assists on Brink's four goals. Two of them are primaries. These dudes know where each other are and set each other up. Like, not only do they, they put each other in position to do what they do best. Yeah. They're just two cerebral players, which is, it, it just seems to click. Like, Farabee's a little bit more of a pure goal scorer. Brink is a little bit more of a pure passer. But they both can do, they both can do the opposite. Like, it's not like Farabee can't pass. It's not like Brink can't score. We saw that great power play shot that he ripped on, uh, on Sunday. Like, they both had the ability to be dual goal scorer and playmaker, but they both do have a lean. Like, Brink is going to lean pass. Farabee is going to lean shot. And I think that might be part of the reason why it works so well is that they just think the game similarly, but not so similarly that they're redundant. It's amazing what happens when you have guys who have complementary skills. I will just, I know we just did this yesterday. I'll never get over it, Charlie. I will never get over wasting the prime of one of the best passers I've ever seen by giving him another passer and no one. And no one, yeah. I, I'll just, oh I'll just, ah. Line, line chemistry, we, baby. We live in the now. And listen, maybe you're thinking, I got to get out to see these two together. Like, this is something maybe worth getting in on. Brink and Farabee, yeah. a dynamic duo. Appointment, appointment viewing. Actually. Appointment viewing. Maybe you want to get out and see them live. I say you should do it Friday. You should do it Friday for that Black Friday game. One o'clock puck drop against the Rangers. And if you're going to, you should do it with game time. Great anticipation there by Bree to get that up before I even started. <laughs> uh, buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and wrote for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This, uh, it's so nice to have a little bit of talking about that 110%, you know, that's found money right there. Um, Bobby Brink to me is so exciting because listen, I had high hopes for him because he had such a good end to his college career. Right. He's an excellent player scoring a ton. Then he has, you know, he comes up right away and he didn't produce a ton of points out of college, that little tryout. He, he had, had moments, but he looked like he looked, a half step behind. To me, he looked like he belonged, and it was like, okay, this is really something to build on. Yeah, He looked like he was going to play, and then he has the injury, and his AHL season 
it goes to shit. Listen, he produced some points because he's good, but no one was sure. Like you've said, he was skating with a limp. Yeah, exactly. Like we didn't know what we had in Brink. He makes this team out of camp, and we're still, well, is he just on a heater, or is he a good player? This feels like found money to me, and I just want to keep enjoying. Like The Bobby Brink experience is the most enjoyable part of this season for me so far. I don't disagree, and I think, like, look— We've talked about what Torts likes, what Torts doesn't. The fact that he bench Brink was a little bit concerning. I suspect that, like, the fact that he puts Brink back in for Sunday's game and he immediately scores, like, that's the kind of shit that's going to endear you to John Tortorella. Like, yeah, you know what? This is how you respond. Yeah, yeah, like, I put you back in and you immediately step up and take advantage of it. Like, that's the kind of shit that's, like, it's just going to get you on John Tortorella's good side. I did love the the K-Red uh, the nickname for uh, for the duo is Ooh. Silly Gagne and Slow G. <laughs> that, that is good. That is really Silly good. Gagne Silly Gagne and Slow, and Slow G. G. That's, that's I not dig bad. It. I that's dig not it. bad. Not bad at all. Um, I got to... Uh, I, I, what did I want to do next? Oh, so the... The Owen Tippett thing, I guess now, because we're talking about a couple of guys... He had a good pass on the York He call. did. He did. Uh, we're talking about a couple of guys who do seem to have great chemistry. They're constantly factoring into each other's goals. And this is what gets me to a, uh, a an actual post-game mailbag question. We got this after I had already put aside all the questions for uh, for yesterday's mailbag episode. So I wanted to get to this today. And it's it's about Tippett and, uh, and Morgan Frost. It's from at 207 Steel on Twitter. He says... So Owen Tippett is scoring at a 30-ish goal pace overall, but a 50-ish goal pace with Frost in the lineup. If this continues, could Tippett's agent tell Briere, we want 40 to 50 goal money towards his child childishness shouldn't cost my client money. Now, Tippett's four-game goal streak did end on Sunday. Coincidentally, Morgan Frost not in the lineup. Tippett does not score tonight. Again, no Morgan Frost. <laughs> There might be something there. We thought we saw some good chemistry developing between those two last season. Frost has assisted on two of Tippett's goals this year. Frost has only assisted on six of Owen Tippett's 34 goals since last season. Uh, he's been on. The, he's only been on the ice for three of his seven goals this year. Uh, they've been involved in the same goal three times. Like... To compare, Atkinson and Tippett have recorded points on the same goal six times this year, like Atkinson having much... (laughs) Owen Tippett is a goal scorer, and it's going to be up and down, because as we always say, goal scorers are streaky. They sure are. This is a coincidence. That's like... The fact that he scores when Frost is there and doesn't score when he isn't is purely coincidental. So here's the thing, though. Is it a coincidence, (laughs) or is it the power of friendship? I mean, we're going full Yu-Gi-Oh here. I like how I'm the one bringing logic and <laughs> logic and reason to this conversation, and you're like, "Yeah, but maybe they're buds. Maybe they're just buds." You know what? <laughs> Vibes matter, Bill. Uh, you know what? Watching the goddamn Phillies, I guess there's nothing. You know, Garrett Stubbs is not good, but having him around makes them good. So perhaps it's a thing. Do you think there's something more to the brink? The the idea that they're going to demand forty to fifty gold money because that's no. what he that's silly. No, that's uh, but. <laughs> And I think Do even think even our, our guy two hundred seven Steel knows that. I so. don't think he's being completely sincere with this question. There, I got it. I, I would guess, uh, but 
is there something more than the raw scoring numbers that I'm providing? The chemistry, maybe Tippett is at his best with Frost for some reason. I mean, if anything, I think it's less about Frost individually and more about the fact that, like, you want to put a goal scorer like Owen Tippett with a passer that Morgan Frost is. I think the solution here is not necessarily that Morgan Frost needs to be joined at the hip to Owen Tippett. The solution here is maybe they should prioritize getting more good passers. Hopefully Bobby Brink is one of those guys that can stick in the lineup for the next 10 years and be a quality playmaker and be a, you know, 40 assist a year guy. That would be awesome because I think that's his ceiling. But as of now, he's a developing young player and he's a developing young player who I think we're all excited about. I think I would say most people are more excited about Bobby Brink than they are about Morgan Frost at this stage. So what to while we're talking about this group of guys, because like I said, the the first 10 minutes, the Zamula and Stahl pairing, those are probably the reasons they lost. Yeah. But through 50 minutes, like I said, all of the young guys who have kind of been the catalyst so far to the good start, they were kind of non-existent. Fair. Now Islanders, it's like playing a different fucking sport. Like, you're going to play all your games against teams that play another way, and then here's this team that's playing 1995 you're Going hockey. into Lou yeah, World. It's, oh, yeah. Big <laughs> surprise. Like, they're going to play 1995 hockey, and right. it's like, it's like uh, who was the knuckleballer the Phillies couldn't hit from the Mets? Uh, R.A. Dickey? Yeah. Di- like, it wasn't even that they couldn't hit him. It was that for the next week, he threw them off. And yeah. it was like, you know what? Honestly, tank this game. Don't even try. <laughs> it's like, try. That, uh, that's how I think about the Islanders sometimes. Mm. Like, you know what? Fuck it. Dress the Phantoms tonight. Yeah. Just so we don't get in this mode of this is how you, but I uh, like, I, the young guys didn't show up tonight. Forster. What have you made of him thus far? Cause he's been playing well, he finally broke through scoring. I believed that getting the one was going to lead to more. Now that he can have a hat trick on Friday and the conversation is now over, it hasn't led to more. No. Sup with Forster. It's an interesting question. And it really just goes back to how patient you're willing to be with him because I get the sense very much so that he is endeared himself to Tortorella to the point where he is now one of Tortorella's guys that Tortorella is going to go to bat for him because he just loves the details in Forrester's game. He really likes the approach that he takes to the game, that he didn't allow the long scoring drought to mess with his details. If anything, he made the details better. Like, which I just talked earlier about, like, I think Brink endeared himself to Torts by scoring his first game back in the lineup. I think Forrester endeared himself even further to Torts, and Torts loved him last year too, by the fact that he didn't respond to not scoring by starting to cheat for offense. He just cleaned up his details and made them even better. And it's like, man, we really got something here. That said, he needs to score goals. Like the guy we're now, what, this was his 18th game of the season, I think. 17th, 18th, something like that. I think he only was out one. He sat out the opening night and he's played every game since. So this would have been game 18 for him. He has one goal in 18 games. Like that. Ryan Paling has more. That's low for a fourth liner. Not even for a guy who's been in your scoring top nine from the start. No, we're not talking about Nick Delorier. Yeah, like this is, it's concerning. We've reached the point now where we're we're coming up on the quarter pole of the season. While it's early. It is concerning. While it's early, 25% is not an insignificant chunk of the season. (laughs) Like, you know, we, we can keep... 
and it's gonna oh how we assess them you know it's early we can keep saying it's early and eventually it's gonna be christmas yeah and then it's gonna be new year's and then it's gonna be the all-star break and then it's gonna be the trade deadline and like what if he has four goals at that you know like eventually you do have to live up to expectations i don't this doesn't change what i think tyson forster is gonna be but it is a little bit of a disappointing start even though he's done the other things well that bodes well to me because I, I assume the scoring's going to come because it has for him at every level. You would think. And if he does all the little shit, like I, I saw a Tortorella quote today, and it was like, I knew he was going to score, and I thought all the little stuff is what we were going to have to coach him on. And it's like, he ain't scoring, and all the little stuff is what I have no worries about. Yeah. And it's surprising, but it's what's keeping him in the lineup. Yeah. I guess that's good, and the scoring will eventually come, but... This is a team without a ton of top-end talent, and while it might not be fair for a guy who was drafted in 2020 to be counted on, he's being counted on, and he hasn't produced to this point. You do wonder if they will reach a point with him, and I don't even think it would be a punishment, but you do wonder if they might reach a point maybe in December if he's sitting on two goals. If they just they just tell him, like, look, we, we want you to go down to the AHL for two weeks score like six goals Rip a couple yeah. yeah and then we'll bring you right back up but we like we just want you to start feeling good about remember, your shot again like remember you can do it yeah like be yeah. reminded of your own ability because yeah. like what we saw last year i don't think was fake no i don't think like, so either I, I don't think you can just step on the nhl ice and do what he did and then it's like yeah he's not really that i mean i get like we've talked about ryan paling and he did it in his first but this wasn't one <laughs> this wasn't one phenomenal game no, of, he played like, really well he, that entire he was stretch awesome for two weeks yeah. and maybe it was just but I, I i'm not like i'm not losing faith in him but i am like come no, on man we, other dudes are showing me shit yeah like, you're like doing the the stick poke like do stuff do stuff do stuff like i want to be excited about <laughs> you it's really just my own entertainment i want to be as excited about you as i was a month and a half ago. Yeah. That's that's what it's coming I, and, down and as to. I said, I just I wonder if it will reach a point where again, not a punishment, but more just say like we want you to start feeling good about your offense again. So go down to the minors for 5 games, rip a couple goals and then we'll bring you back up. In, I wonder. In this hypothetical scenario where Forster is a phantom for a couple of weeks. Does that make Morgan Frost a lineup lock or is Ali Lixell or someone of that ilk coming up? I don't think Morgan Frost is going to be a lineup lock <laughs> this entire year. No, I, I think he's going to spend the entire year, unless they have like a deluge of injuries. I think he's going to spend this entire year on the lineup bubble. I'm springing this on you. You have no idea. I'm going to ask this. It might be total bullshit. I can't wait. Um, can't wait to hear this one. Saw a little bit of a rumor today that maybe there's something. And we've, we talked about this a couple months ago a deal that involves both Morgan Frost and Shane Pinto. God knows what the other moving pieces that popped up again today. It was, it was something that was out there today. I don't even remember where it might've been Friedman. It might've been, I make stuff up.com, but (laughs) I saw it today. So uh, the Pinto situation is weird now because because he's not even available. Suspended forever. Yeah. Yeah. But it would, it would clear up a a numbers problem for the Flyers. Like we don't even we, because Pinto can't play. We don't even have to account for this guy for twenty one more games. That's like, a good point. You know. So yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's something there. But if you hadn't heard it, we can just. I hadn't heard anything. We can look. Just, I, I. Yeah. 
the last I had heard about the Morgan Frost situation was that the Flyers, the people in the front office, still believe they can find a way to make this work, and that they're <laughs> and that they're trusting that Torts will not bury him forever, but give him the opportunity to earn his way back into the regular rotation. I just have my doubts that he is ever going to be able to do anything to fully win over John Tortorella. You know how it was a last show or two show, whatever it was, where I compared uh, Torts to Santa with his two lists. Someone might need to have the Santa Claus conversation with the Flyers front office if they still believe that Morgan Frost is going to be a part of this thing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, you might be believing in something a little too old. I'd for like age. to think they can still find a way, but yeah. as every day passes, I get less and less confident they'll find a way. I'd like to believe I can still make it in the league, Charlie. Uh, and I haven't played since, you know, I was 18. Oh, my so. God. That is okay. I, I'm sorry. That was a really funny comment. Barry Schaefer. John Turner all went Vince Vaughn and told Wade Allison he'll never be Steve the Pirate for Dodgeball. <laughs> Dodgeball is one of my favorite sports movies ever. I love it. I truly, I do not think there has been a movie that has skewered ESPN better than Dodgeball. It's incredible. You and I love so many of the same sports movies, and I'm not going to disparage the great name of Dodgeball. I'm pretty sure I probably saw it in theaters opening night, (laughs) Uh, but I I just would not have put that in your upper echelon. I think it's it's easily top 10, potentially top five. It's up there. We are going to have off-season shit about sports movies. Oh, hundred percent. That's we're gonna, we're gonna do, have a lot of content to fill. <laughs> I don't have. We don't have nearly as many off days as I accounted for in my head this summer. So we're gonna have to do a lot of stuff like that. I think sports movies are gonna be a great thing we do. Uh, something great we are doing Friday, Black Friday, the twenty-five percent off Black Friday sale at PHLY Locker. If you spend seventy-five or more, you get a fifteen-dollar gift card for future use. <sighs> Listen, we have. One shirt. There is one flyer shirt on the PHLY locker. I need you people to sell it out. (laughs) I need that thing to be hotter than like a heavy slime, whatever. Like whatever the hot shit is in town. Uh, we need the the Bobby Clark flyer shirt to be the number one center on PHLY lo- number one seller on PHLY locker and center and center. Yeah, Although I don't, think he, I don't think he's topping Jason Kelsey at this point. I'd be tough. It'd be rough. Uh, and no one tops him. But I need you. I am begging you. You have supported Charlie and I for like a decade now. You have to continue doing it. <laughs> We'd like. There to, is no rest for we, you people. We, we would buy the Bobby Clark shirt. We would very much like to have more shirts for you guys. We need to prove we can sell. So. All the hockey fans out there, you know what it is to love hockey the way we do, and just be kind. I love everyone here, but we, you know what hockey is? It's the fourth sport, and the union are good, so it's like the four point two five sport. <laughs> uh, you know that feeling. We don't want to have that feeling here. This is PHLY Flyers. Support PHLY Flyers. Buy that goddamn Bobby Clark shirt. <laughs> You're probably not supposed to curse ever in ad reads. Whatever. But like, you know, it works it's on my this company. One. It yeah. works on this one. It's the company that employs me. Like, it's fine. Amazing. You all know what I'm saying. All right. So that's that. Um, how much like else do we even have about this thing? Yeah, well, we had Sean Couturier tied Eric Desjardins. Oh, the Couturier thing. That's kind of cool. This is something I wanted to talk about. Um, he's now alone in ninth place in games played. And they said like by the end of the year, if he remains healthy, he's going to be fourth behind like Clark, Giroux, and Barber. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, if you haven't had the, oh, I'm getting too old for this shit, thought in your head. <laughs> Uh, yet, 
the idea that Sean Couturier, who I remember being at that that rookie showcase game, man, him, Matt Reed, Braden Shen, that whole group. Wow. Well, so here here is the list of the games played list. Okay, so first. Actually, you know what? Let, let's let's play a little game here. You know what? We got some time. All right. All right. So I, I spot you Bob Clark. Bob Clark's first. Who's number two? Is it G? It's G. G, G with a thousand. Remember a thousand game? He had a thousand even. Yeah, yep. that was thousand sick. even. Number three is a guy you already mentioned a little bit earlier. Mr. 420, Bill Barber? Indeed. Number four, this, this was a little tougher. I'll give you a hint. 80s. 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 Man, uh, he, he was at, at one time a broadcaster I, on the radio. I am so bad with the uh, with the 80s. Thing. I don't want there to be dead time, so I will give I it know. to you. It is, it, it, it is, I'm like thinking and I don't think well. So. It is, it is Brian Prop. Prop, god Prop damn it. Was, I, Prop is four. That was an easy one. Then number five is someone who is currently a podcaster, currently a podcaster for the Flyers. We, we watched him play we, <laughs> regularly. Who has, a, who has a Flyers podcast? Yeah, what other Flyers podcasts you. are there? <laughs> Me and you. That's it. Um, I, Todd Fedork? <laughs> no, Riley Cote is who I even meant to Chris say. Chris Terrian. Oh, God damn it. Chris Terrian. Uh, that was that was a freaking layup. That was a layup. I, I, I thought you were going to get that immediately. I, I was a fucking Chris Terrian fan. So Chris Terrian, oh, fifth place. That was. I'm not going to get the rest six, of this. Sixth list. place, Joe Watson, the Watson, uh, the alumni yeah. game dominator, even in his 80s. Yeah. Seventh tie with Bob Kelly and Rick McLeish. Ninth is now Desjardins and Couturier tied for ninth on Friday. Friday he will be he ninth plays. Place he will himself, have yeah. ninth by himself. I can't believe. Um, just because of multiple stints with the team, like Recky and Tockett are not up there. It is surprising. It is surprising. But no, I, they, they are not. It was going to be 10. my guess, and I was like, no, that ain't right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I've been playing uh, Immaculate Grid like the last week. Really? And I, I am so bad at this. I cannot think on Like for a person whose job is like vamping, I cannot think on my feet like that. I can tell you what I'm thinking. I can't like decipher information quickly like horrible at quizzo i go to my wife's quizzos and people are like yeah ava does quizzo yeah, yeah. she's like well you, you drove here with her you have to know the answers i'm like i've heard this around three times and i have no idea what <laughs> I, I have no idea what 40 percent of the questions are amazing uh that's it's just absolutely ridiculous you know what else is ridiculous how awesome our friends at FOCO are. That's right. FOCO is the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Or maybe you're in that market for some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items. Use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off at FOCO, and I have finally found my replacement for how cool the overalls are. Overalls are still Mount Rushmore. Okay. They're probably number one. They have these... Uh, reversible they're called hoodies like eez okay and they're kind of like the big blanket hoodie things 
but they're a little lower cut and they fit more like a hoodie. Okay. They are very sick. I'm probably I'll check them out. Probably gonna order myself one on Black Friday. Love There's that. a real good chance Bill I, buys I will, himself I will one take of these. A look. I made the same. They're also reversible. Okay. Uh, so it's like one side looks like it a, seems like a cool idea. So one side looks like a jersey. One's more like looks like pajamas. So they're actually kind multitasking. Of cool. Yeah, yeah. Multi-use, multi-purpose. Once we get to, uh, you're going away on that West Coast trip. I will be. I will be going on the trip to Phoenix, Denver, and Nashville. Uh, West Conference trip. West, not Conference. West Coast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I not might- West Coast, but. Yeah, Out West. Western Conference. Going to the West. I will uh, go west, young we, man. We might be doing some late night post games. Could be. Could I be. might be wearing a hoodies for one of them. All right. Or a couple of them. They also yeah. have pretty cool PJs you can check out as well. Uh, but all that is available at FOCO. And uh, I love them. Listen, no off center shirts there. M- much better than those guys. <laughs> um, do we do we have anything else on this one? I mean, yeah. it was it was a game in which they're like I had a lot of micro takes. But it was the mostly take a step back and remember where we're supposed to be. Yeah. I think that's fair. There's going to be a game like this. I, I think you can. I don't lo- want to absolve them. No. Play no. better. But were well, they going to win 10 in a row? I think you can look back. You know, the further this game goes back in the rearview mirror, you can look back and you can say they played well enough to win. They maybe didn't deserve to win, but they played well enough to win. They didn't suck. Like, yeah, this they wasn't- didn't suck. They weren't terrible. They just they played well enough to win. And they face a team with one of the best goalies in hockey who played like one of the best goalies in hockey. And that's, again, like, I don't want to say they got goalied. Other shit went wrong. And also, but this, if, is, this if, is the Islanders' entire strategy. If a league average goalie is in, they, they could have played just as well in one. Exactly. Yeah. Like, even if they didn't, uh, maybe they didn't deserve what. It, the Islanders are not very good. They were better than the Flyers tonight, at least on the scoreboard. They played 50-50 with them-ish. <laughs> Sometimes you lose. Exactly. I can't get up and I'm not, I'm sorry. I don't have an entertaining as hell 20 minute rant. Like I did after the San Jose game. Uh, I wish I had those every night, but they've earned a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And I can't say 19 games into the season. I expected that. Yeah. It's fair. All right. And that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers tonight. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone who joined us. We will be back for you. Uh, with Friday's post game, remember it is that one o'clock matinee Black Friday puck drop, so it'll be what like a three o'clock post game or something, three thirty, something, 3:30, like, that. something 3:30, like that. Four o'clock, and like then that. Saturday, New Wave Cafe, be there for our watch party, Flyers Islanders rematch of the century, twenty twenty bubble playoff revenge time. We'd love to see you. <laughs> Maybe love to see you. We'd love to absolutely see you. Have a couple beers with you. I'm told Kelly's going to be there as well, so there will be at least one woman there. Uh, <laughs> I just assume like our listenership is 98 and a half percent. I don't think that's fair. I think we actually really? have a good cross section. Do yeah. you think we have that kind of appeal? I think we do. It's those, you got to take off the hoodie and get the guns. It, it's because you got to get the guns out. We have a lot of, of women and potentially also like non-binary people who love hockey, who follow oh, our podcast. Uh, I know they exist. I just wonder if they're interested in our show, but <laughs> if you lose, I think you need to give yourself a little bit more credit. If you lose that hoodie and show off the guns, I think we can up those numbers. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Happy Thanksgiving, Philly. Thank you.